Five o'clock on the Blitz. Work is over. It's time to let that bird fly. Free that bird, boys. Happy Tuesday, everyone. It is another edition of the show on the Blitz 1170 and streaming on the Blitz 1170 app. I'm Colby Daniels, along with the 2023 Oklahoma Sportscaster of the Year, Jeremy Poplin, Scott File on the other side of the glass in the Tulsa Oilers Hockey Studio, and John Holcomb joins us on this Tuesday afternoon in preparation for the big call tomorrow evening inside Gallagher-Iba Arena, the Oklahoma State Cowboys hosting UCF for the first time in Big 12 basketball play. John, what is happening on this Tuesday, my friend? Did you guys watch the match last night? I watched part I am, of it. I am no. matched out, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. that. I'm pro- I probably should have, but I, I didn't. But I'm, I'm kind of like Colby. Like I, I don't know. That lost its draw to me after the first two years i think it it had a little bit of dip and then last year's debacle where it was was it like kelsey and everyone else i was just like okay all right i think i'm completely out on this event well i know i should be keeping up on the uh, scheduling of things like this but the fact that it was on caught me completely off guard and the only way i found (laughs) out about it was by social media (laughs) recording some things okay so rory mcelroy hit a drive that Almost hit spectators surrounding a green, and that was impressive, although the ball can fly farther at night, especially in the summertime when it's warm. Uh, Rose Zhang and Lexi Thompson played in it, and Max Homa, one of my favorites, uh, also played in it. But I found more um, more enjoyment out of seeing the Max Homa ADP commercial where they're trying to speed up play. And he's like speed walking with his caddy, <laughs> kind of a half jog, half speed walk. I found that more interesting, honestly, than than the match. I, look, I, it takes nothing away from their talent and the uh, the fun of it all, but uh, that's just kind of where I was with it last night. I also debated because you know when it first came out, you're like, okay, we could run a highlight or two. Yes, it didn't even cross my mind last I night. I did think the the golf under the lights was pretty cool, and maybe there's a future there somewhere to to create some sort of event that that you could potentially do in prime time. But yeah, I mean, I I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm kind of over the match. Maybe they need to take that idea to something. Yeah, and the, and the lights on. Tell the truth, dude. Tell the truth that you saw Rory's name up there and you didn't want to watch. Well, that doesn't That's help, the- if I'm being honest. It doesn't help. <laughs> yeah. John, did his, uh, next to it. did his drive have an asterisk next to it? <laughs> that he hit? I don't know. Let's ask Taylor. <laughs> no. Listen, in the lights on thing, that was done a long time ago at Sherwood uh, out near L.A. with Tiger. Was it Tiger and Phil that did that? Yeah. 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 But, yes. but Okay, so you, you lead into, and we are going to run some of this. The Taylor Gooch comments, and I, you guys uh-huh. probably talked about this already, but we uh, did. Yeah, I, it, look, he he has a point, and yeah, but he's also coming from where people said, "Well, you knew when you went over to live that this was going to be part of the deal, right?" But everything changes over time, and if you just sit there and keep your mouth shut about it, when you have a valid point when it comes to who are the best players in the world. Um, and, and, you know, guys who have 
there are a lot of guys on Live who had established themselves as some of the best players in the world before they ever left. So I'm with you. I, I, I get that. And, and the line that I did agree with him on is at the end is that, to me, the majors are about bringing all the best players in the world together. And I also understand that there has to be a cutoff somewhere. You can't just invite everyone to a, a tournament like the Masters. Um, the, the fault here lies in how they go about determining the points on this. And I, I know that it really seems to fall whether you are carrying buckets of water <clears throat> for the uh, PGA Tour <laughs> or not on, on social media to where, you know, you're not even willing to listen to any arguments whatsoever. And Kyle's point was, well, you know, if they were to continue to apply the points the way that everyone wants them to, you know, the PGA would still have two players that are ranked higher than what, what Taylor is. Uh, that also didn't get invites to this. I, it, it came from a moment, I think, of sensitivity from Taylor because he just had a career year in which he won $36 million. Hmm. Uh, the joke I had earlier was enough money to buy into a, a, a rodeo team, for crying out loud. I mean, it's a banner, <laughs> a, a banner year for him. Yeah. And if there's ever a year for him to get an invite, I think he was thinking that it was going to be this one. So, yes, there are pros and cons of it, but I just don't agree with the sentiment either because I don't know how many people are out there, and we all thoroughly enjoy Taylor, but there's not going to be an asterisk next to Rory if he wins the Masters because Taylor Gooch wasn't in the field. I'm, I'm sorry. like He can view it that way, but the rest of the golfing population will not view it that way at all. The if the master- entirety of the live roster were to be excluded, then you know maybe there's a little traction to his comments, but that's not the the case either. Well, there there, right. there are two things that can be right here, and you're correct, Poppin, that I I don't think anyone's going to look at if Rory doesn't hit it into somebody's backyard, and maybe that might be the only backyard you can hit it into <laughs> on Augusta National, uh, on the back nine. Then uh, he nobody's going to say it's got an asterisk by it in in part because the masters is a limited field anyway and you can say that it has the it has normally has the elite of the elite in the field and, and you'd be correct to a great degree there but you also have the um the asian what what's the, the there's there's the pan-asian amateur champion that gets uh-huh. in or something like that yes. and, and so you have several other spots that are in there. It's not to say that those players that qualify that way aren't good players, but they're they're not in the elite. And the other part of this is too, Taylor Gooch is better than the 449th ranked player in the world. So yes. so yeah, there, there's I I know I think I know what he's doing. And you mentioned moment of sensitivity. Yeah, that's probably part of it. But also to keep the conversation going because oh yeah, there have been so many things that we after the initial reaction to what was going on now we've seen even rory soften his stance on live and the whole what it may be moving forward so if you just keep your mouth shut then the powers that be are probably going to go yeah we'll just kind of keep going until somebody else makes some noise and calls us out on it that's because rory and his stepdad monahan you know were are such (laughs) grimy behind the scenes you know what's um, but that 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 is. You've been for talking to Grayson day. Murray. Is that, that who you've been that talking is to for another day? If Greg Sankey were in charge of Live, I I fully guarantee that they would have like twenty automatic 
bids to well, the, automatic qualifiers the, there to would every be that, major tournament. Well, not just that, but he would have already formed an alliance with the elite of the elite to oh. make sure those things happened. I see what you did there for sure. <laughs> uh, I see what you did. Yeah, that, like the constant and, and how this continues to evolve moving forward, I, I do agree with you. I think him making noise, this is also a long-term play for him as well because, I mean, if he can't say anything now, what's the point of having the type of year that he had? You know, I, right. I said this multiple times last week. What's the point of having bleep you money if you never actually spend bleep you money? Mm-hmm. What's the point of having all of that uh, stature that you've built from coming off of a career year if you're not going to be willing to stand up for yourself in a moment like this? So I, I, at the end of the day, the storyline in golf is still going to be what happens to the regular tour stops? The majors are still going to be fine, but what happens to the regular tour stops with the more with with the high-profile players that are no longer not only playing it for their own reasons or that have moved over to live? That's the major problems with golf right now. I don't, I'm not worried about the majors yet. Yeah, uh, there are still things to be worked out for sure, and there's going to be some collateral damage. And that might open up uh, the, some particular courses for more play for the members instead of having to have it shut down for however long <laughs> while you're getting it prepped for a PGA Tour event. Are you going to be watching this weekend for Anthony Kim? Sure, sure. I'll, I'm, I'm curious about that. I'm, I'm still not cool enough to call him AK. <laughs> Like Thank like you. some some of the uh, the text, maybe group text or emails have been floating around between sports departments here. But uh-huh. that's more of a sign of of my generation versus another generation. Does, uh, does that individual also hit it further off of the tee than you? Uh, no, but I oh, no okay. I, I haven't asked him about it. And it, listen, if he's going to drive it in the <laughs> pond on twelve at Indian Springs on the River Course, that he can call Anthony Kim whatever he wants. <laughs> What's uh, what's on the agenda tomorrow for UCF in this game? I UCF is one of those programs, John, that I I think you can see a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, end of the tunnel, and I've always wondered, even when they were in the American, from where they're pulling from and how big that that school is, I've never quite understood why they haven't been able to put it together more often on the basketball floor the way they did on football. Maybe that's a, an argument to say that you can't have two nice things at one time, uh, especially when you're trying to devote so much of your athletic department to getting a football to a certain level and trying to fight to get into a Power 5 conference. But what is your overall feeling on UCF and, and basketball? And do do they have a future in this conference where they can remain uh, competitive and keep it at a certain level year after year? Well, you've got a coach in Johnny Dawkins who knows what it's like at the, you know, the most blue blood of programs. When he played at Duke for Coach K, was part of that first class that uh, they wondered whether Coach K was going to survive because they were so bad as freshmen and weren't much better as sophomores and then ended up going to a Final Four in the senior year. He, so my point is, you know, he's been at Stanford and had some okay years. You know, I don't know how – Mike Montgomery, replacing Mike Montgomery coming in after his success, it, it just – maybe you thought they would achieve more, but he knows what he's doing and what he has assembled, at least right now, is a talented, well, they're a very athletic group of guys 
with a couple of scorers who can be very dangerous at times, but also the 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 consistent flow of offense hasn't hasn't been there. And I know I'm getting a little specific based on your question, but if you're in a place like Orlando and now you're in the Big Twelve, there is no question that your football program, you could argue, was better suited to try to make some moves initially in the league than your basketball program. And and some of that's kind of obvious, but you know, you still had OU and Texas in the league this year and UCF had games where they looked really good and then others where they looked also ran. UCF basketball has been that way to a degree. I mean, they come off a win over Texas Tech and you know, and Texas Tech's solid team, very good team, top 25 team. And UCF goes on one of those runs, which is 20 to 3, to beat them by 14 in Orlando. The, the, the big mystery is so, what, what are they going to hang their hat on? I think that's really, we'll probably find out tomorrow night more of where they could go immediately. It appears that Johnny Dawkins' program is going to start out by trying to be as physical and long and athletic as possible. And that that's the big picture. And then find somehow, find the skill guys who can help them in a half-court offense. That, but I think that's where they are. The problem is, is that to be at the top of the Big 12 or challenge for the top of the Big 12, you've got to have both. And there's a reason why Houston's number one. They have both. But they also have a guy in Kelvin Sampson whose style for years and years and years is translatable from league to league. You can say, well, he didn't do that much at, at Indiana. And, yeah, that, you know, that was – but that's, you know, gosh, we're almost talking two decades ago now with that. And he's established it at Houston. They are in a great recruiting base. Orlando's not bad, but it's better, I think, overall for football and basketball. They only have one more win in conference play than OSU does, but it kind of seems like probably the quality of all of their wins really uh, is what maybe – create some sort of of gap in your mind i guess yes and you know they they went they've had more long they, they really haven't had gosh they haven't put together a win streak in big 12 play now they have a chance coming off the victory over texas tech but it's you know, ever since they started league play they opened and they got their tails kicked at kansas state and we all thought, oh, okay. And then all of a sudden they upset Kansas. You remember that one? And that's yes. with the uh, palm branches, and we talked about all that. Lose at BYU, beat Texas in Austin with the horns down Rodney Terry controversy, and then lose big at Houston. Uh, beat West Virginia at, in Orlando, which isn't you know saying a whole lot this year. And then lose at Cincinnati, lose to Baylor at home, then beat OU down in Orlando, and then four straight losses before they beat Texas Tech. Just hard to find any sort of consistency. And I think that when it gets down to that, and I, and I know I mentioned this yesterday, but Brendan Manzer knows what he's talking about, former Cowboy guard, coached at St. Gregory's in, in uh, college in Shawnee, and uh, does all the ESPN, a lot of ESPN Plus games. Uh, color analyst and is a good friend and he just the way he describes them is they are well I'll just say it the way that I'll say it very challenged in the half court offensively and so that is hard to overcome because when these games get into kind of grind mode and you've got to put together a few 
good half-court offensive possessions, and you're struggling to do that, puts too much pressure on your defense, and you know there are too many good offensive teams in this league to allow you to get away with that. Is there going to be any emotional hangover from the uh, from the Bedlam game? Is that anything that uh, I didn't get to listen to, to Boynton today because I know he met with the media, what, Scott, did you say 3 or 4 o'clock well, was- uh, from earlier today, but – did he talk about an emotional effect on uh, on a loss like that, what he has for you, and how you kind of kind of put that behind you and get ready for this one on Wednesday? Well, our Raven Ray was over there, and she texted me at 4.35 saying, finally getting to interview. So practice went a little bit longer. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I, I don't know yet, but we are running a comment from Mike at, at 6 about it, and I you know specifically wanted to know how did practice go on Monday? Because that's that's the big tone setter. And for, generally speaking, Mike's been very pleased with the way the team has practiced. Um, and it, it's just been obviously recently when they found something to hang their hat on in games that gives them the most uh, big, biggest chance for success. I think they'll be okay. Because, you know, you asked me what... The, you know, whether they... And I told you the, the differing reactions at the end of the game... Saturday, Keller looked kind of wiped out because he yep. happened to be the guy guarding McCollum. Eric Daly Jr. ended up, you know, he very I sensed a positive nature underneath everything that you know was disappointing. So I think that they will be ready to go, and and I think that Brandon Garrison, he's going to be a guy to look for tomorrow night because he did not have a good game Saturday. And OU had a lot to do with that. And now, he, you know, I'm sure he's he's been challenged, too. Like, look, especially against this team, long and athletic, and with a couple of shot blockers, what do we – we need you. We need you to impact this game in a positive way. I would anticipate him to come out uh, better, and I think that uh, you know what to expect from some of the other guys that should have the ball in their hands a lot. From a matchup standpoint, uh, with with those young guys that we talked about yesterday, just finding consistency. I know you just mentioned Garrison. Is, who who does this matchup dictate potentially is able to to get on track? You know that's an interesting question because one of the other things that that you see when you go up and down their their roster is they've got the, the guards that they play a lot have pretty good size and generally speaking, you know. OSU went through this. They've, they've gone back and forth on this over the years. You know, Travis Ford used to have he, – he liked guards that could score a lot. Nothing wrong with that. But size-wise, you know, you're talking more between the 5'11", 6'1", maybe 6'2", range. And so you'd go up against teams when you had to have one of those guards defend – and maybe they're having to guard a guy 6'4", 6'5". And then the good defensive teams, the, the really good defensive teams with, with the Cowboys, you know, even Bryce Williams may have been listed at 6'2", the transfer from Ole Miss, but he played so much bigger than 6'2", because of his vertical and his, his wingspan and that sort of thing. And so you went to bigger guards in the backcourt. Well, that you, you, give, you give and take a little bit because then you didn't really shoot it well from the outside. Now you've gone to a team that's more capable of scoring from the outside, but when you look at your starting backcourt now, it's basically 6-2, 6-1, and 5-11. And so what is that, you know, how does, how does UCF, how much can they neutralize the Cowboys offensively 
in, in terms of productivity in the backcourt. I think that's the one of the big things I'm looking for. And then Diallo inside the seven footer for UCF. Um, you know, if if you let these guys play volleyball on the glass to bail them out of what might be some challenged offensive sets, then you're going to have a problem. Um, I think you can get up and down the floor on them somewhat, but rebounding is going to be the other area that I'm really going to look at. Are you are you are points in the paint and rebounding? Cowboys have been really good scoring points in the paint and at least staying even with their opponent. I mean, for gosh sakes, both OU and OSU had 54 points in the paint. And remember, that was one of the big problems for OSU for the first half of the conference schedule. They were getting bludgeoned in the paint, and it hasn't been that way the last three or four games. John Hogan's our guest. John, a year ago today, I think, is when they unveiled the plans for the next phase uh, there at Oklahoma State through their athletic department and what they hope to accomplish in the future. Um, how has NIL, how has kind of the landscape of, of college maybe put that either on the back burner or has uh, maybe messed with the timeline a little bit? Because it seems like every single day we keep running into things to where, you know, it's, I don't want to call it a cash grab, but in many ways that it is. And and Chad Weiberg was very open about, hey, you know, a lot of these projects are going to depend on how much money that we can raise. But it just seems like so much of the attention and the focus is not on brick and mortar things on these athletic departments, especially with football. It's on, hey, we've got to build this to make sure that we have enough money in the accounts to be able to compete NIL-wise. It just seems like it's kind of a, a game changer with what's happened not only with NIL, but in Oklahoma State's instance, it seems like a pretty big timing issue right now when you're trying to get all of this accomplished. Sure it is. And it used to be, to your point, Pop, I mean, it was all about facilities, you, especially, you know, the football-wise. You're, you're looking at it, and, you know, when OSU built that, you know, renovated their basketball locker room, I mean, it was – state-of-the-art you, you know everything was tremendous and now sure it, it matters to players somewhat but it, it pales in comparison to what they may be able to make what they may be able to put in their pocket what they hopefully save to be able to pay taxes on it whenever that comes around you know so I do think and and as we mentioned the other day the uh, and we talked about it on the blitz Sunday night a little bit this class action lawsuit by by student-athletes basically saying they should be entitled to a percentage of the TV contract money with schools and leagues. And what that has administrators worrying about at this point, I think the facilities, you can't help but push them down to, okay, well, we're still going to get to that, but these are more pressing issues. NIL is more pressing issue. Whatever's going to come out of this lawsuit is a more pressing issue because you can't you can't make facilities number one now with that on the table so i still think they want to get it done but but it's it's doesn't the gap extend john because for instance like right now they're going through the next version of of renovations because you've told us about it on your tuesday phone calls that we've had sometimes uh where you've been looking out gallagher iba for at that at uh Boone Pickens with where they're changing the seating right now. And I saw a photo 
the next steps in the construction phase. Does that not continue to make the gap even wider? Because football is going to get it. Like, football is always going to be first in line, right? If there needs to be some type of improvements, we're going to find a way to get this done. But we might have to push the other ones unless we can find someone that's a – you know, former alumni that happen to play, I don't I'm just using an example, like women's soccer, right, that's willing to donate a bunch of money here to finish out the these improvements here. Like football is going to get theirs no matter what. I'm worried about the other elements now to the athletic department that are going to have to wait even longer now to raise enough funds to get things like that done. No, yeah, that's where you are. And, and it, a lot of that's out of your control. And so you have to be the best steward of what you have and what you need to – find more for that you can and it's it's a big reason why i'm so glad i get to call games and i don't have to worry about what the roster is going to look like next year or whether or not you've got a wall that's about to collapse in another building that you need where athletes uh, have things to do i i think eventually it's all going to get done but this interim thing i'm i mean i'm telling you we, we talk about the nil and that's very important yes and the, the ruling, the injunction based on the attorneys general from Tennessee and Virginia, that always sounds weird to me, but it's right. It's, it's, it's correct. Attorneys general uh, <laughs> arguing that uh, to, the NCAA has no right to you know, limit what you might be able to negotiate as a student athlete with a school before you ever sign there. Um, you know that so you you've got that on your radar. You've got the class action suit on the radar, and you've got to worst case scenario it because if you don't, you won't be prepared for it if it happens to happen. And that worst case scenario is forget about uh, the the whole let's raise money and build a new X, Y, or Z. The worst case scenario is okay. We've had our budget based off of our chunk of the TV money to a certain degree every year and now we don't know and if a, if a significant portion of that goes away okay then how do we do this travel for this particular sport um how do we you know what do we decide to do in non-conference basketball can we get to these you know this like the uh, exempt tournament status in in these places you know what what do we have you the Better non-revenue the TV bubble doesn't burst, right? Yes. That we've been talking about yeah. for, for 30 years. Yes. Let's hope that the TV revenue bubble doesn't pop. <laughs> so so you, you look at all of that and you go, okay, well, I mean, it, you, it's good to have a plan for improving the current facilities or building new ones. But now all of a sudden that gets pushed down the line. There's nothing you can do about it. Outside of what you said, you know, you have some, some wealthy alums step forward and really help. And there have been some that have, but we're talking about a whole nother level here. I don't know if anyone has started a campaign on your behalf yet, but I would, I would, if not, I would like to nominate Pop Scott myself to somehow see if we can start a a you know grassroots movement to get you and Dave on the NCAA uh, football game. Like you should have the ability to play as Oklahoma State and have your games called by. Oh yeah, that'd Dave be really sweet. And include the radio teams. Uh, oh yeah, that would be fun. That would be fun. But it would sound, it would be hard to make it completely authentic, because I'll go back to this, and some people have argued with me that said, no, no, it's it's the real call. When I saw the movie Miracle about the 1980 U.S. Olympic team, and Al Michaels was on the call, and. It just you, you cannot convince me 
that they took everything that he was doing the play-by-play for from the actual broadcast of that game. It sounded to me like he was 30 years older and he was in a studio doing part of it. And somebody, oh, no, that's, that's the real thing. No, it isn't. He sounds like he's 60 now. Back then, he sounded like he was 30. There was an energy to it. And do you believe in miracles? Yeah, yeah, that whole thing. I mean, now maybe they took pieces of it, but there was no way the whole. So my my point, yeah, here I am comparing Dave and me to the great Al Michaels and the Miracle on Ice. But Dave and I would get in the studio and to try to drum it up without it happening with that energy like we talked about yesterday, without the crowd and letting it breathe and all this stuff, it might sound more like, Hey, Dave, as you call this touchdown, I'm going to go down to the suite level and find us some cookies. <laughs> that's which, you know which what? Actually, that's actually that what I want on my game. Yeah, that's, that's exactly Sign what I want. For that. I, I also want to be in the sound booth when they just hand the list to Dave and, like, Dave, here are things to read. And in order, it's like, holy guacamole. And then after that, it's like, good night, Vienna. I just want to see the list of Davisms that they put in order yeah. for him to read. And be like, all right, Dave, all right, that yeah. one's – we need a little bit more energy on the next one and to see him kind of go through. And your list says something about coleslaw on a hot park bench. Or <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. Like that. yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, I like that idea, though, Colby. That's a that's – I hadn't thought about that before. Thank you. The home Thank team you. broadcast. This show, is, this show is full of great ideas. <laughs> Thank you both. <laughs> Unfortunately, nobody ever capitalizes on these ideas, but you know, no. we're we're just we're just spitting gold over here. That's all. That's all. It's going to be really valuable soon. <laughs> Fiat dollars crashing, boys. <laughs> Max out your credit cards into Bitcoin, John. Oh man, seems to be a trend. Oh man, and that's probably where we need to leave this segment. <laughs> We had a story on that earlier in the show. So. Yeah. Well, we won't put an asterisk on this segment. I hope not. This one is asteriskless. That's right. But maybe it'll happen under the lights eventually. Prime time, baby. Oh, that's that's where it needs to be. That's right. John, we'll uh, catch up at the end of the week, my friend. Sounds good, boys. We'll be on our way to Austin on Friday, so um, Ooh, we'll uh, we'll be wearing the Kevlar suits. If we have to South walk Bend, out and down. Oh, no, no, no. no I'm, I'm not. No, even though okay. I don't want to jinx it. I've had the last two trips have, have been good 35 South. Remember? I didn't, but not yeah. with this one. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm going to go with a team. Okay. And, uh, and, you know, if we have to venture out downtown, probably need a nightstick with us. Well, say hello to the Minister of Culture for us while you're down there. <laughs> all right, all right, that, all right. In that, in that orange suit, I swear to God, John, that he's never had dry cleaned. I bet it stinks to high heaven. There's no way he's had that thing washed I'm going to use that nightstick to give us <laughs> arm's length in between us. You can get some, uh, some ninja throwing stars at KarateMart.com for only $21, John. Oh, so you know, think about that as well. That's my band name. Ninja Throwing Stars. From Karate Mart.com. Our hit, our hit single was Duck. <laughs> that is the brilliance of John Holcomb joining us via the Blitz Hotline. I'm Colby Daniels along with Jeremy Poplin and Scott File on the other side of the glass in the Tulsa Oilers Hockey Studio. We're back in a moment on the Blitz 1170 and streaming on the Blitz 1170 app.